Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Happy Thursday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott with you. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Gordo, what is happening over there, my man? I'm trying to make sure I'm getting the right uh, the right uh, thing in the right ear. What? Oh, your your headphones? Yeah. Haven't you gotten your, your other headphones back? You're still using the earbuds? What happened to your your, your $1,000 headphones you bought at the airport? <laughs> that, that, that broke? Yeah. Uh, I've got to I called them. And they said, send it to us. So I've Yeah, but it. wasn't that like six months ago? It wasn't that long ago. Well, the, it's, <laughs> it's been, been a while. while. Yeah, i got to get that taken care of. Oh, well. You know, I've offered you many times, but I've got another nice pair of headphones that are just sitting in my bag if you don't want to wear <laughs> those uncomfortable earbuds, which I don't understand how people enjoy, but it That's seems fine. to be a big thing these That's days. Fine, but you're right. You know, sometimes you think you're buying the best product and then they don't work. It has a, it had a two year guarantee warranty on it, and uh, I got those. Uh, how long has it been? I better get it in there. So so here's the thing, Gordon. Um, in my opinion on on purchasing things at the airport. Now I, I'm sure you can find many fine goods at the airport. All right, so this is just <laughs> not not a, a blanket statement. But I figure you know the the stuff at the airport. They've got you right where they want you. Yeah, but and you yeah, but can't this, go anywhere else. So they true. can sell you anything. That's true. At but, any price point, right. and there's nothing you but, can do but about I it. But I checked. I checked online to see what they, you know, what the deal was. And the guy said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, wait a minute. What, what if I go down to some, you know, decent uh, audio store or electronic store, and I want to buy these?" He said, "You'll pay the same thing because they are of a certain brand." And I looked it up, and uh, it's that's where the price was comparable. But uh, I, w- I was desperate because I wanted to listen to some tunes. I was on my way out of town on a trip, and uh, and I haven't been particularly happy with the way that turned out. All right. Well, but here's my problem: one of the years stopped working, and then, in in as I was doing a show one day with you. I turned, and now the cord has snapped. And so now are they going to blame me for breaking them? Probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. How are you doing today? You hanging in there? Yeah. Happy Halloween to everybody. It's uh, The kids love this day. And somewhere along the way, uh, adults kind of usurped it and uh, turned it into uh, a, a way to uh, uh, make it theirs. 
And so, but but I, when I think of Halloween, I think of the kids and uh, how excited they get. I read somewhere that this is their second, uh, you know, speaking generally, their second favorite holiday of the year. Yeah, so, uh, Halloween's fun. Everybody can celebrate it in their own way. You've got a problem with adults celebrating Halloween? No, it just it, it seems just seems like. <laughs> I, no, I don't probably think anybody celebrating. Any excuse to have a raucous party seems like a good excuse okay. to me. That's right. Why not? And you did on Saturday night dressing up like Goofy. I did. It was more Saturday afternoon, but yeah, oh, okay. and that wasn't for a party. That was for a trunk or treat at the local <laughs> strip mall. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which was fun. Hey, we had, we had a nice I bet time. You, now, Austin, I bet yeah, Jake did it upright. I, I bet you you looked the part. Uh, no, I mean it was it was not a pro goofy costume by any means. It was homemade, but I you know. Why haven't fine. we not seen photos of it on yeah. Facebook? You got one. I'm hoping there aren't any photos. Did of you it. have one? Did, we, did I, take I'm a picture? sure there's a picture well, out there. It? She had the, her camera. No, I I didn't take it on my phone. Oh, you didn't. She's yeah. got a nice camera that she takes to family stuff. What are you What are you looking at uh, us that way? I didn't know anyone carried a camera around anymore. Naz, Naz is a bit of a shutter bug. She she used to work back in the day taking some pictures. So uh-huh. she's she's into she's it. She's into got it. a she's got a nice camera. We got her for some Mother's Day or something or a couple years ago. Well, Lloyd needs a new Avi on Twitter. So <laughs> you think a, a goofy picture would would <laughs> might might do the trick? <laughs> anyway, uh, have you seen the pictures of all the different people dressing up a certain way? I have. You seen athletes? A lot of athletes out there get into it. Uh, what was LeBron dressed as? Who, who is that? I have not seen that oh. yet. What? Uh, Tom Holmo was uh, the genie. You know? Did he paint himself blue? Yes, he did. Did you? You saw that, Austin? It's incredible. He was completely like, yeah, like Tobias Fumke blue. <laughs> no, <laughs> better done than that. Okay, yeah. he looked like the genie. Oh. That, that color blue. All right. Who else? Who else has been notable? I was impressed with the nine ear piercings that he had uh, put in there. <laughs> How did he get is that, that in compliance? Nine ear piercings? <laughs> yeah. guy? Is he, yeah. is he going to have a knock at the door? And he have knows to, some folk. <laughs> is he going to have to take a buddy down to the honor code office to, uh, to do an interview? Anyway, a lot of people getting into it. And if you do, if you choose to roll that way, we hope you're having a wonderful day and uh, have a terrific night tonight. But the kids... We'll really enjoy it, I think. Uh, it's 43 degrees out there uh, right now, and then about that. So hopefully it won't be absolutely frigid tonight. You know, the kids go to all this trouble. They're excited to wear their costumes, and then they got to wear like a ski jacket over it. To, to that end, tell me if we're being bad parents. We went through the whole thing, got her a costume, put her in it today, but we're hoping that it gets really, really cold tonight so we don't have to go out. I mean, she's one. She can't eat the candy anyway. She'll never know. No, I get you. Take a few pictures, say we did it. I think if it were a year from now, I I might be a little judgy about your parenting. But just with a a one-year-old who doesn't really know what's going on anyway? She can't eat it all, and she can't walk. Yeah, you're good. So we're not trick-or-treating yet. Yeah, I wouldn't do it if I were you. Are you? Yeah, but it gives you an excuse to go pick up a a few bars of candy if you want. I don't need any. I got money. I can go to the store anytime I want. I'm a man. How old are you when you figure out that it isn't worth hiking to the next house? How old were you? Five? <laughs> I hated Halloween, man. Where I grew up, too, our neighborhood is on the side of the hill. So that uh, Halloween was always a bit of a hike. But oh, we, man. we kept, no, we did it. I did it until it was probably junior high, right? Yeah. Isn't that about yeah. right? You know, like seventh grade. And Sometimes then, I see the 16, 17-year-olds out there, and I'm looking at them like, Really? 
No. Right, whatever. Don't uh, judge. Uh, I'm in a good mood for another reason today, Gordon. I know. We did it. I know. I, we I did I, it. I, I actually started leaning your way on this. Start up, bit. baby shark. We are champions. Today is a good day. Oh, my God. That nearly blew my head clean off my body right there, Austin. That was that was loud. Wow. But yes, champions. Champions. Ah, I'm beef now. Today is a great day. Now I know how Austin felt when the Angels won it all. Now I know how you have felt when uh, when the Mud Hens won a game. Ah, my We're, Phillies won World Series, a couple of them that way back when. Not since Harper's been on the team. Well, comparing <laughs> your Philly fandom to my Expo fandom is, I mean, come on. Oh, come on. It's, I, it's, I, it's a direct parallel. I mean, come on. I was a huge Philly fan when I was a kid. I've poured my heart and soul into this team for years. Oh, sure. <laughs> I got to say. And now the payoff is a, here. It's pretty cool. I mean, like the things that happened in the World Series, you know, the road team always winning. <laughs> that was just weird. But uh, the way that the Nationals came back to win that game and win other games has been remarkable. It really has been. We're a plucky bunch, Gordon. <laughs> we're. <laughs> we are a plucky bunch. We, okay. <laughs> We've got some great starting pitching, and we rode that all the way to the title. And yes, uh, Bryce Harper, you know, the, the, the image of him shedding a tear at home watching his old team shedding watch. Shedding a tear? He's got $40 million in the bank. Yeah, but... He's shedding a tear. The Phillies might win it next year if they make a couple of good moves. Right. Mm. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, the, the notion... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Mr. Angel over there, who are you to talk? Garrett Cole's a free agent as he of is. last night. Did you see him wear his Scott Boris hat in mm-hmm. the post game? There it is right there on the television. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised he didn't uh, he didn't pitch? No, am I crazy? And, and maybe I'm just so out of touch with, with baseball, but I actually understood what the manager was talking about. They, he, thought, he thought that they had a chance to put some runs on the board and then bring him in to, to seal it down. I mean, maybe it was overly optimistic, but I at least understood what he was talking about. Yeah. People are just grilling him for that today. And uh, I I mean, agree or disagree, but that's not one of those decisions. That's not Kyle Whittingham calling a timeout uh, no. on the road at Washington. Where no, it's you, just, can, you can second guess any decision. And I, I don't think that was a bad It turned out to, to be not advantageous. This team couldn't throws. get a hit. After, after they fell behind, they got yeah. one hit. They could not. They could not put the ball in play to be to be criticizing Houston's pitching today. Yeah, is uh, or or at least pitching decisions right. is is one thing. I mean, I don't think they should have pulled Grinky when they did. Yes. I thought that was a, a little early. That why do that why seemed, do managers so often do that? Well, because you're worried that that he's lost it, and really? you want to you want to stem the tide before oh, it. Man, but but see the uh, the the Nationals, the Expos, on the other hand. Uh, they stuck with Scherzer, even though he got. What inning was that that he got into a little bit of trouble? I don't. And remember. I don't remember either. I was watching the Jazz game at the same time. You're the but, fan of that team. Uh, <laughs> die hard. <laughs> Followed Clearly. every pitch of the season. Uh, no, I, I did. You know what I love about our zone lounge is we've got two TVs, so you're able to kind of pivot back and forth. But anyway, they stuck with Scherzer, and he got himself out of it. Whereas Grinky, the wheel started to wobble a little bit, and they went right to the pen, and that turned out to be a mistake. Yeah, I thought I I would not have made that move, but, but not it's bringing easy for me to say. Garrett Cole. I mean, uh, okay, I guess you could disagree with it, but that doesn't seem that egregious to me. I mean, you've got to rely on your bullpen at at some point. And that guy who gave up the home run, uh, he you know he's been pitching really well through the postseason. I feel bad for that dude. Yeah. 
that's one of those deals where it's almost like the field goal kicker who blows right. the kick. Scott Norwood, Pagey. Anyway, we'll we'll talk some jazz basketball here. I don't know how many folks are dialed into no, the World it's Series, a World but Series, I, man. I will tell you this. So, uh, and I always feel bad about this. Our zone, our zone uh, lounge, and our our carrier studios here uh, are on the upper concourse. So you can look out our window and see everybody walking by, right? And you can see Portal KK. Uh, right there. But for a variety of reasons, we can't let people in during jazz games. Most notably, we have thousands of dollars of equipment in this studio, and we can't just have unmonitored people, you know, (laughs) coming to and fro. So I always feel terrible because on nights when there are other big sporting events, people will gather outside of our window and our door and watch. We had tons of people watching the World Series last night, which there's no problem, except for you can see the look on their face like, would you please let us in? That chair looks oh so comfortable and empty. <laughs> it's awfully cold out here. <laughs> that that chair looks wonderful, and you guys look like you're having such a nice time. See, I would be, I would be a softie. I would let him in. It's, but we can't. I know, but I, I, would. I know you would, but like if says any, the guy that already stole hundreds of dollars of gear. Correct. Once. If you if you let somebody in and somebody snatched whatever. You would be responsible, so well, you may be a you let, may be a softy, but I would let him in. But then I would watch watch the equipment like a hawk. You can't open up the dam, Gordon, and just think <laughs> it's going to be one or two people that are coming in. Oh, you mean you got people all pressed up against the window? I, I mean, come on, you're a cruel, cruel man. That's why there's a window there. <laughs> it is uh, it is awkward though. Because people are are you're looking at like there, sipping your drink, having a grand old time. Yeah. <laughs> It's like being in a fishbowl. <laughs> and literally, we have 10 empty couches out there. It's all right. Whatever. I don't want to speak out against policy, but I would break it. Well, then don't stick around during jazz games because <laughs> randomly people have gotten in a time or two. And it is awkward that you have to be like, all right, you, you've, you've got to leave. Well, see, yeah, you got to believe. It's kind of like, hey, if we're going to let you into the pool, then you got to swim correct. You know, you can't come in here and then start snooping around. But seriously, though, don't don't start letting people in during jazz games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, well, it was a rare occasion. I mean, you had the Game 7 of the World Series. Oh, no, no, no. It happens all the time. If we get Saturday night games during college football. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people uh, people stop by and watch the game. Because we have both the jazz game and the, the whatever game going, so people can kind of keep up with both. Okay, one other thing about the World Series that, uh, and I, you know, baseball's been a great game for many, many years. Some people don't like it, but many people do. And that that home run, that uh, two run home run, uh, baseball is so freaking weird because that ball was not well hit. Uh, Well enough. I'd like to see you hit a ball that far. What do you mean, not well hit? What do you mean? It's just, you know, it. It barely squeaked over the wall, and it barely was fair. You know, it wasn't the best hit ball. I mean, it worked out well, but that's the craziness to baseball. You can hit the, you can hit the ball on the button, and and not be rewarded for it. And in this case, uh, the the uh, Nationals were very nicely rewarded for a ball that. Kind of squeaked out. Look at you, Carl. Criticism over there. I <laughs> unbelievable. We we did it. And you're oh, that wasn't a well hit ball. We did it. 
All right, we do need to talk a little jazz here. So let's let's jump into the split story. Bruce Feldman is going to be at three thirty, so we'll talk college football at three thirty. We do need to to touch on the jazz a little bit here at the beginning of the show. Sam Amick joins us at the top of the four o'clock hour, so make sure and stay tuned for that as well. But right now, it's time for the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Conley stops outside the three-point line, fires and hits. Mike Conley has nine points tonight. Jazz are five of 14 from three now. Out to Conley, who's got five points in the quarter as well. He'll step into a three. Got it. Mike Conley is all fired up. He's got 14 on 6 of 9 shooting. 12-2 run by the Jazz. Conley gets to the right side, lobs to Rudy, slam dunk. And when Mike Conley is rolling, the door opens for Rudy Gobert. Conley for three. And now Conley's dancing. Timeout. The Jazz are ripping the cords from all across the floor. And Mike Conley's leading the way. Utah by 20. The crowd is calling your name. and I mean, it's, it's October 30th. The crowd's calling your name. You're playing that way. Did you sense they had the same feeling you did about uh, what it means to play like that, especially in this building? Oh, yeah. Um, man, I've never experienced that before in you know, 13 years of playing basketball, and um, especially October 30th. You know, that was um, – that's unique. It was special. Uh, I could tell. They were feeling like I was. You know, they were they were waiting and had a lot of energy built up and, um, you know, just emotional. So uh, it was great. It was great to feel that. Mike Conley mm-hmm. bursts out, Gordon, in the third quarter last night. 18 points in the third. Finished the game with 29 points on 11 of 17 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3. And uh, you could – I mean, the way the crowd responded to it, I mean, it was – Gordon, I don't know how to describe it here in the arena other than it was the third quarter was it was fun. It was fun yeah. to watch him. You could tell he was extremely enthusiastic that he was he was playing well. I'm sure he was pressing a little bit and the crowd chanting his name. Combine that with the uh the five for the fight night where they had during a break in the third quarter everybody put their their phone up and they had a little screen so it was a different color across the arena and and honoring these five fighters like that that whole quarter uh, it was just amazing to be in this building. Yeah, there were okay. Well, there's a lot of things going on here. One, all the anticipation of having Mike Conley. First of all, all the anticipation of a, of getting Mike Conley. Because remember all the talk last year about how excited some people were about having him come here, and then it didn't work out uh, by the trade deadline. So there's all this buildup. And finally, the Jazz get him. And then there's more buildup leading into the season. And then he starts playing, and, and, and he can't hit the broad side of a barn. Now, I know Quinn said if that had happened in the middle of the season, nobody would have said anything about it. I, when you go 1 of 16 in a game, and then you go 0, 0 for 7, I, I, I don't care when that happens. People are at least going to notice it. They are, but you got to admit but, the, yeah, the I get it. microscope it, yes. has been on him because yes. everybody's been so excited yes, to see him exactly. play. And so to have that happen and then to, uh, to, to, to see this burst of success, especially for a player like him who's such a good guy and everybody likes him and he he's such has such a refreshing attitude about playing basketball and and who he is and 
how he lives and what he stands for and all this stuff. So it's very easy for fans to get behind him and to see him suffer the way he had been early on and then to have that kind of success and to have it benefit the Jazz the way it did in that game because that was, you know, that the, the Clippers were right there at that point. They had come back. And, oh, yeah, and, he blew it open in yeah, the third. he for blew sure. it open. Yep. And that third quarter, like you said, was something special to watch. It was almost like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And you got to like seeing both Mitchell and Conley have nice nights because Mitchell had 24 points on 10 of 17 shooting, and it was it was almost a quiet 24, which is yeah. a, a really good sign actually. That Don, and Ben Anderson said this uh, on the post game, but that Donovan rolls out of bed and scores 24 points. I mean that's that's a, that's a really positive thing for the Jazz. But I, I realize well, it seems like the days of Donovan taking 30 shots to get a certain amount of points. This is much more efficient, and that's what he always yeah. talked about wanting to achieve. Well, and he's taking a bunch more mid-range shots, which is interesting. But I, I realized that Shamit and Lou Williams couldn't guard a chair if they tried. <laughs> but Patrick <laughs> Beverly was still out there yes. last night, and he's a great defender. And yeah. for the Jazz backcourt to still have such an electric night, I think I think is a good sign. And yeah, Kawhi Leonard wasn't there, and we'll we'll find out what the Clippers look like uh, with Kawhi on Sunday, and it, it'll probably be a lot steeper test, no doubt about it. But this Clipper team without Kawhi still made the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, it's, it's not the Jazz's fault that they didn't play Kawhi, and don't get me started on that because that gets me in a bad mood, and it's just absolutely ridiculous that he didn't play. But anyway, the Jazz, uh, it's not their fault. They went out and took care of the business against the team that was on the floor, and uh, the, the offense was fully unfurled last night, I thought. Yep. And here's the other thing about that, Jake. With the way the Jazz are stacked talent-wise now, You'll notice how Mike Conley has this big game. Donovan Mitchell steps up. Boyan Bogdanovich could have kept scoring, but they shared the load out there, and it's just like on on a certain night, okay, you take care of your business, and when I need to take care of business, I'm here too. And nobody gets upset when one guy, when Mike Conley gets his 29, you know, or Boyan Bogdanovich gets his 30, or Donovan gets his 32. Whatever. Joe Ingles comes alive and plays efficiently. What uh, it, This team doesn't seem to care. And uh, I thought that was one of the interesting things that uh, Rudy Gobert said last night. He said essentially, quote, we, have all, we all have the same goal and we're all willing to sacrifice for it. That was, that's, that's a profound statement and it's not always the case. All right, we'll get back to more basketball coming up at 3.50. It was a wild night in the NBA last night for a number of different reasons, and so we'll we'll get back to that coming up around 3.50. Don't forget Sam Amick joins us top of the 4 o'clock hour. But we're going to talk to Bruce Feldman next, of course, longtime great college football writer. He's doing uh, TV work he has for the past couple of years as well on Fox, and he's going to be on the sidelines for the Utah-Washington game. So excited to talk to Bruce coming up next. Don't forget about Diamond Airport parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park ride and save. Diamond Airport parking. Just one more jazz note. Gordon, before we get to Bruce Feldman coming up next, and we don't want to dwell on this uh, today, but as a show, we do want to send out our heartfelt condolences to Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, who we found out yesterday lost his father last week. Yes, and, and he lost um, his mom earlier in the summer, and it's been uh, a tough go for him in that regard. So, uh, indeed, couldn't, uh, couldn't reinforce that more. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up on the other side. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
Welcome. This is DJ and PK. Brian Keeled, what's it like for BYU to go up and play the Aggies? And it's changed a little bit since you're Eric, but the crowd has always been fired up up there for this game. Recently, they have absolutely played better than us. There is no excusing that. Back to my analogy of the big brother and little brother, little brother's going to grow up and he's going to want a piece of big brother. And if big brother doesn't take care of business, he's going to get hit in the mouth. That's what happens. And so BYU needs to respond now because if they don't, Utah State's going to hit us in the mouth again and beat us. They've done it the last couple years so we gotta step up catch dj and pk mornings from 6 till 10 presented by wcf insurance reminding you to be careful out there on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, let's not waste any time. Let's talk a little college football out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us, of course, longtime college football writer. He writes for The Athletic. He's also a reporter for Fox Sports and he's going to be on the sidelines for uh, this weekend's Washington Utah game, of course. He's the one and only Bruce Feldman with us on the Big Show. Bruce, thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Good to be on with you. Bruce, I think Jake just called you old or something. Is that I know. That's I mean, what I heard, too. That's what I heard, too. I, 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 I should have gone with, it is what it is. with with spry but legendary. <laughs> Bruce felt with that. So, would that so have been better? All the way around. <laughs> That's good. Well, Bruce, we are super excited to have you on today. So thank you uh, very much for joining us. And hey, give us the tale of the tape as you see it right now. Utah, Washington. Yeah, I can't wait. This is a fun matchup just because you got Jimmy Lake's defense, which has been really good. It's young, and it had a lot of guys to replace, but especially on the back end is good. And I just think, obviously, Zach Moss is one of the best running backs in the country. And then you have how well Huntley is playing, and he's really much improved from last year. And he was he was good before, but I just think he's really elevated his game. And just from looking at it all closer this week, not only his numbers are up, but his numbers in some really critical areas that a lot of the NFL personnel people I know focus in on, which is how how does a quarterback play on the road? How does a quarterback play on third down? How does a quarterback play in the fourth quarter of games? Everywhere you look, Tyler Huntley is even better in those in those categories. So um, I think we got as good a game as you're going to see this weekend, and I can't wait. We did this game, these two teams – uh, last year was as physical a game as, as I've seen doing sidelines, just being out there on the field. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what kind of environment that we get at Husky Stadium. Bruce, what do you think of uh, of that Utah defense? Because we're used to seeing quality defenses in that program, but this year's group seems to be something special. Yeah, I mean, they're so, they're so physical up front and so gifted and deep and I think that that's the part you know talking back to uh, talking back to Kyle Whittingham I want to say late in the summer he thought it was going to be the best D-line he's ever had and you see what this group has done how much havoc they can cause um, 
you know, that's going to be a big challenge on the other side for Jacob Eason. You know, we talked about as big as arm is, and he's six six, and he's really done some good things in his first year and since transferring in from Georgia. But that's a tough defense. He's they're going to be on him the whole night. If the pass protection is not really buttoned up, it could be a problem. And it's it's the thing where he's done a good job without turning the ball over. But I think this is about as tough a group as he's going to face. Bruce, not many coaches have Kyle Whittingham's number. He's a he's a great coach, and he's won a, a ton of games over the years, obviously. But Chris Peterson, Witt's only 1-6, I believe, against him in their careers at Boise State and then at Washington. What makes Chris Peterson so great? There's a lot of things. First of all, I think there is... I'd like to, I'm trying to get this straight in my head, the macro versus the micro, but I think what makes him really so good, I think, is because of the character guys he recruits necessarily to what he's trying to build them and develop them. And I think what helps him is he develops players, and I think he develops players as he develops people. And those kids who come in there, and this is, you know, having talked to a lot of kids who played for him and have heard his big picture message, I don't think. You know, and this is a credit I think to Chris Peterson. He is not shy about about talking about things beyond football to build relationships and develop them. And yeah, that I think helps them as people, but I do think it helps them as football players. And they play hard for him. I think that's a big thing. I think he's really had some smart evaluations. You can look at Kellen Moore getting him to Boise when you know a lot of people looked at him physically and were like, hey, he doesn't look like a big-time college quarterback, and he had one of the greatest careers of any college quarterback. And you see it uh, in some other guys. He's had Ben Burkirvin was a guy in Stanford's backyard, good student, ran well. A lot of other people saw him as a low three-star kid. He was a tackling machine for Washington. So I think he's very good in the evaluation. He's very good in the development piece. And as that's gone on at Washington, I mean, there are kids there that see their ranking out NFL players, and I think that's only helped them get in more homes. So I, I, I think it's just really how good he is to get kids ready to play on Saturday, and that's that's as, that's as important as anything, if not more important than any, any scheme-related thing. Bruce, you talked about uh, the Utes offense and the defense, and obviously they're chasing SC for that loss that they have at the Coliseum. But based on what you've seen of them as an entire program this particular year, how good are they relative to the national competition? You know, I think they're, they can play with anybody because they're so physical, especially on the D-line. And I think their O-line you know, would continue to get better. The parts that I think is the big challenge for them, you know, when you saw them, the best thing USC has is is big athletic receivers, and they were able to take that game over. Our crew did that Friday night game at the Coliseum. And Matt Fink, the third-string quarterback, gave them a chance to, to make plays, and I think that kind of played into USC's hands a little bit. But in terms of what Utah is, let's start with great defensive line, terrific running back, really talented, tough kid playing at quarterback. Those are, are, are really good good ingredients to a top-10 team. Then you take, just in terms of the toughness that you get in the Kyle Whittingham program, I think we've seen them have great special teams over the years. I mean, I think they could play with anybody. Now, could they go beat Clemson? Could they go, go beat LSU? Could they go beat a team like Ohio State? 
I think they'd be underdogs, but it'd be incumbent on that D line. If you get pressure on a quarterback, and they can do that, you know, that's when you get turnovers. That's when you get mistakes. Then you have, like, literally a a puncher's chance to win it, and they are going to be physical with Zach Moss. So, you know, I, I wouldn't expect them to get blown out by anybody just because you can't underestimate how how tough they can be up front, and that changes a lot of games. Bruce Feldman is with us. He's going to be at the Utah-Washington game for uh, Fox this weekend. And you mentioned or you talked a little bit about Tyler Huntley, and here in the state, Bruce, uh, we've got – Two quarterbacks that often get compared with with Tyler Huntley and Jordan Love because they're both good players and and both coaches or excuse me both players got new offensive coordinators this year and Jordan Love and I'm not saying it's all the the coordinators issue because it's not but but Jordan Love has struggled a little bit this year whereas Tyler Huntley has really flourished under Andy Ludwig. Talk about Coach Ludwig's tutelage and 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 how that has clicked because it appears that Tyler Huntley has really improved. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it helps that Kyle Whittingham has worked with with Andy before there was a lot of familiarity. I think it also helps that you have in one regard a guy, okay, there's a coordinator shift. In the other regard for Jordan Love, you know, because I think Mike Sanford's done some really good work with, with other quarterbacks in the past, but I think it's a whole program change that, that Jordan Love is dealing with, whereas whereas for Tyler, I think a lot of the pieces are still in place there. So I don't think it's it's as as dramatic and the other thing is when you're a quarterback and you can turn around you've got one of the best running backs in the country and it's a guy you've known probably since you were a little kid um that's a security blanket unlike anything that i think jordan love has at this point you know utah state so i think this i I get why there's some parallels but i think there's some pretty big significant differences too what's your evaluation of the pac-12 uh in its entirety this year bruce I think what you have is some, you know, I like, you know, we've done some some or uh, some Oregon games. I think they're really good up front, and I think they're very athletic at all three levels of the defense, and, and Justin Herbert's a really talented quarterback. I think skill-wise, they're a little bit lacking, whereas they don't have anything close to what USC has at receiver. And if you added that, I think they would be a true, you know, national title kind of contender. They don't have that, but I think they're – they're a true top 10 team. Uh, I think Washington is good. I don't understand how they lost to such a struggling Stanford team the way they did. Um, obviously, I have a ton of respect for Utah, and I think they are a top 10 team. And then after that, like I think almost anybody can beat anybody, whether you have Washington State with their pass game, Cal's defense when their quarterback was healthy. Cal's defense was really good, and they were a tough out. I think you look at... Colorado is very, very streaky and inconsistent where their offense can be dangerous at times with Steven Montez and those receivers, but they're really banged up and undermanned on on, uh, on defense. I think you have teams like Arizona State who are who are okay, but I'm not sure that they have, you know, I, I don't think they're top 25 teams. And so I, I look at it as I see three really good teams with, the two we're going to have on Saturday in Seattle and also Oregon. And then you have a, a USC team that has plenty of talent, but it just has, they've had injuries and inconsistency. And I think it's hard because when your head coach is on the hot seat as, 
Clay Helton is, and to the degree he is, I think it's hard for those players, especially when you have young players and they're being led by a true freshman quarterback and seeing the slowness. I think that's hard for them to sustain a lot of things when you're constantly hearing all the chatter swirling around that place. All eyes around here, Bruce, are going to be glued to Big Fox uh, this Saturday because not only do you guys have Utah-Washington, the game you're working on it too, the night game is Oregon going to USC, and these two games could really decide what happens in the Pac-12 South. Give us kind of your thoughts on on the Ducks going down to uh, take on the Trojans. Yeah, USC, as I said, banged up. I think if this is a game where I think a lot of people look and say, all right, well, bad as USC has been or as underwhelming as they've been, they've been very tough in the Coliseum under Clay Helton for a while. And, you know, you know, you can ask Utah that. I mean, that was a Friday night we were at that game where they rose up and, and played a heck of a game. And I think they've played hard. I, I, I give them a lot of credit because I'm not sure how many teams in college football, and I think it's, you can count them on one hand, would have been able to beat a team the caliber of Utah and then go to Seattle and beat, try to beat that team up there when you're playing with your third-string quarterback and also at that point when they played Seattle, um, when they played Washington, were without their best defensive player, Talano Hufanga. So I, they came back after a bye week and played Notre Dame hard. They hung in. They didn't win, but I think they were – certainly put on a respectable performance. So I could see them giving Oregon all they can handle. Ultimately, I'm, I think the Ducks are mature enough to come out of there with a win, but it wouldn't at all surprise me if they got knocked off there because they had their hands full last week against the, uh, against the Washington State team that isn't even as good or at least as talented as what they're going to see on the road uh, in L.A. this weekend. Bruce, you could probably uh, give an entire speech or write a whole book on this topic, but uh, your thoughts on the uh, likeness uh, situation with uh, NCAA athletes and how do you think it's going to turn out? I don't know how it's going to turn out. I I know this from talking to some coaches that are very concerned that the the kind of recruiting chaos that you had – in the old Southwest Conference days of the likes of SMU and all that and all the, that bunch, that you could have that again, only a lot of it now would be more legalized. And I think that scares coaches to death about knowing what could come down the pipeline, not even unintended, unintended consequences. Some of these are intended consequences. It's just, you know, how's the recruiting process going to be, gonna be um, played out? And what are the things that come with that? So, I don't know. To see a lot of the politicians wading into this, I think a lot of times you see these statements and you're like, they sound, and I'm not the right person to talk about politics here, but I feel like all you see is a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to this kind of thing. And I think we saw evidence of that uh, in some tweets some politicians made the other day in the wake of it where it's like, what planet are these people living on where some of the comments they make just don't line up with reality in terms of how they do the rest of the rest of society. So um, I get why people are concerned about it. There's, to me, it's hard for the NCA to get in front of because I think right now they're, they're, what they did in that statement the other day was basically say, okay, we got to address this, and that's what we're starting to do. I don't think for people who feel like, oh, I can't wait to get the 
at the, at the college football video game back. That's what means it's coming back. Who knows at this point? It's just these are these are baby steps towards a towards a sprint down a hill is what I feel like is coming. Bruce, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. Uh, should be a really fun game up there in Seattle, and we'll certainly be watching. My pleasure, guys. Looking forward to it on Saturday. Thanks, Bruce. Bruce Feldman uh, works for Fox. He also writes for The Athletic. Legendary and spry. Yeah, how about you throwing me under the bus there at the very beginning oh, of the interview? Just having a little fun. Bruce is somebody I greatly respect, and here my my good friend Gordon just go right under the bus at the beginning <laughs> of the. Just throw me right under there. No, I'm I'm kidding. He was he was terrific. Yeah, I. Uh, it's hard to argue with anything he said. I mean, uh, uh, what 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 would you pick out? We can we can get into that a little later if you really want. I <laughs> uh, want to remind you to join Scotty and Hans coming up tomorrow from noon to 3 as our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio. He'll discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, surgery, or needles. Wild night around the association. We'll talk about it coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Donovan Mitchell talked about how Rudy lost. Is this about as focused as any team you've had a chance to be around? Not as focused as the French national team, but... Ah, you lost! That sounded like you what? in the background. <laughs> you lost! That is you! It was not me! Okay, play it again, and then Tony, you do it again. Ah, you lost! <laughs> you lost! It's you. And you're trying to pass it off as Donovan. Uh, uh, you're trying to place a chasm between the two cornerstone pieces of the Utah Jazz. And you, like, pointed Donovan, who was him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so far down there, Rudy's like, who said that? <laughs> like, and they looked well, at me, and I was just like, pointing at Donovan. That guy, guy in the towel. Yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Join uh, Scotty and Hans coming up uh, Friday, November 1st from noon to 3 at Murdoch Hyundai up there in Logan 3131 Main Street. So stay tuned for that. We've got Sam Amick at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And just to set the table a little bit, Gordon, last night was a just a wild night in the NBA. I mean, yeah. the Wizards and Rockets scored 300 points in regulation, which is just nuts. 300 points? Uh, not a whole lot of defense. Was it 159 to 158? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. Uh, just a just a wild game there. We saw uh, a, an all star game. A real purse fight between Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, what and then was ben, that? ben Simmons got involved at the yeah. end. What's Embiid doing? I mean, I mean, whatever. And then the the social media uh, exchange that ensued after that was was fairly entertaining. But uh, the NBA. Isn't it just full of fake tough guys these days? <laughs> yes. That's all I was thinking when I saw everybody's making a big deal out of this brawl, and it's like that's a brawl. That's what's going for that a brawl these like days. That looked like a hug fest, didn't it? It did look like a hug fest, and then Ben Simmons uh, trying to choke him out or something <laughs> I don't so know what that was. stupid. I mean, I everybody makes a big deal about that thing, and it just 
It just bothers me because let's. When, when was the NBA full of real tough guys? Not just a couple of uh, fake <laughs> tough guys protecting their career, rolling around. Back in the seventies, uh, in the early eighties. Like, see, you, you know, go go watch some tape of some old Jerry Sloan scuffles back yeah, in the even, day. Even back then, I mean, you. <laughs> You put either one of those guys in a ring with a professional fighter. Oh yeah, I, it would be absolutely yeah, destroyed. In fact, here. you give me. Let me see. Let me think about this for a second. Uh, Joel Embiid in the ring with a uh, sort of a mediocre middleweight. It'd be dead meat. He's done for. I mean, I mean how light would you go? Oh, even probably some of those flyweight. Maybe if they got up uh, underneath, you know. I don't know. I but would take it would take two or three punches that are well aimed, and these guys would be knocked out so fast that it's so for them to act all tough. You're a basketball player, and usually you're a big guy. You know, you're bigger than average, depending upon what position you play. Whatever. And now, uh, depending on the length of Embiid's suspension, he may actually yes. miss the Jazz game. So that, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and, then, the, and the Sixers are undefeated, you know. I want to get your thoughts also on the Warriors real quick because we'll we'll ask Sam about this stuff coming up. But uh, have you seen – so Steph breaks his hand. Yes, that was – ooh, ooh, I hate watching that stuff. But I had to watch it because I, I didn't know what, what happened. But my reaction when I saw it was – Well, now – A full weight of that, that those bodies coming down on his, his hand like that. Ooh, well, tough. Now the hard part, and this is this is something we've absolutely never seen before. And and real quick, I think the Warriors should tank. By the way, I, I think <laughs> they should tank, tank and get a guy in from here on. Yeah, I, I think they should do that. But um, here's the here's the interesting thing with all their injuries, Gordon. The the Warriors are very close to that eight player minimum that you have to have for an NBA game. Oh, wow. Now here's what makes it extra tricky, though. The the Warriors are hard capped out, so they can't just sign guys off the street. So there's a chance that the Warriors may have to request a waiver from the NBA if they have fewer than eight players, which has never happened before. Wow. Wow. Well, when you lose players that they've lost over their last six games, (laughs) think about it. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. Isn't Draymond hurt, too, a little bit? Although he's got a bit of a knee issue, but he's the only one left. He and D'Angelo Russell, enjoy. Yeah, I, I, I just, um, I, I don't know how much sympathy there is out there for the Warriors given their dominance, but it's bad. It's bad. That team could, could win what, twenty five games? Maybe, maybe fewer. Maybe fewer. The Golden State Warriors in their new palace in over there. New building. <laughs> yep, where they're charging a literal arm and a leg to get in through the door. Excuse wow, me, like... we're going to need to get that arm from you. <laughs> um, <laughs> How much is my arm worth? They're going to be terrible. They're they're not going to be good. All right, we'll ask Sam Amick about all this and more. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. NBA Daily mm-hmm. Assist Time coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.